Podcast One Production. Welcome to Brand New World, a podcast series designed for marketers. Hi, I'm Russell Howcroft, Chief Creative Officer at PwC Australia, and I, along with Southern Cross Stereo, have a passion for building brands and businesses. The COVID-19 global pandemic has created insane disruption across the world, none more so than in the marketing industry. We're being forced to find new ways to build brands and communicate to our customers as their behaviour changes to adapt to what we're calling the new normal. This podcast series will help you find opportunity amongst the chaos. Throughout the series, we'll talk to experts in the industry about how they're adapting to a brand new world. As the host, my role will be to tease out the insights, creativity and lessons that will help us all get through this together and most importantly, keep your brand and business in good stead for the future. The good news is we're not all screwed. There is opportunity. In this episode, we will revisit the topic of creativity. How does creative work to build a business? And our guest today is Marty O'Halloran. Marty's the chairman and CEO of DDB Australia and New Zealand. Marty boasts close to three decades with DDB, having started in Melbourne and working his way right to the top. DDB has enjoyed enormous success. It's one of the most famous creative agencies in the world. Creativity is at the heart of DDB, and today we will discuss with Marty its enduring power, especially in the current landscape. Marty has been described, get this, Marty has been described as an industry luminary and legendary ad man. We're thrilled to have him as a guest with us today. Welcome, Marty. That's all true. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Russell. How lucky are you? You're in New Zealand. What's going on over there? Well, yes, I'm uh, I'm stuck here at the moment. I'm very used to being on a plane every week, uh, back and forward to Australia and the US, but um, this has been a good time to sort of take stock of life and also um, explore new ways of working, which has uh, been a remarkable success. Uh, and look, for me, sort of sitting looking across Australia and New Zealand, um, in different ways, I think both of our leaders have done a terrific job in terms of managing this crisis, but importantly, setting us up for a future that's going to be a hell of a lot better than the rest of the world. Tell us more about that. I sit on the global management team of DDB and I've got a unique insight into what's been happening in Europe and North America. I have regular, uh, for my sins, a regular 1am and 3am management meetings by technology. Look, it's been extraordinary. Parts of Europe, we're seeing up to 70% declines in media spend month by month. Australia and New Zealand, we're, we're looking at, at the worst at around 40%. And it just shows you the impact it's had short term. And look, I think we've managed it exceptionally well from a country point of view for both Australia and New Zealand, but we've worked really hard to protect our people through this as well. And that's probably one of the really unique things about the DDB brand in terms of how we care about our culture and people to then set us up for sort of long-term success through some short-term pain that we're all experiencing. So you really are sitting in a seat where so many in the advertising world would love to be. You are able to base yourself in New Zealand and then hang out with one of the best agency businesses in the world, operate on a global scale. Jeez, mate, you've done okay. It is good. and it's a, it's a real privilege and a lot of the younger people in our industry I'm sure look at me and go, my God, he's been with DDB 34 years. That's a long time, mate. Well done. <laughs> I stay with this business because of the culture and, you know, what Bill Birnbeck actually created in terms of this agency. And uh, 
And yesterday, actually, I was talking to the legend uh, Keith Reinhardt about something I'm working on, and Keith's in his late 70s, and he's still involved and passionate about DDB and the power of creativity and how it actually can connect consumers and brands in in the most unique ways. And DDB has stood firm in terms of our beliefs, in terms of the role of creativity. I think, importantly, that's something that won't change. But the market knows DDB, but they don't necessarily know who Mrs. D, D and B were. So, look, I, I love advertising history. I love talking about the characters of advertising and the amazing impact that they've had on, you know, in some cases, the world. So just give us a bit of a, you know, potted history about Mr. D, D and B. Yeah, look, the, the burn back is the, the guiding light of DDB and really it was in the 60s that he, he revolutionised advertising and his view was while lots of other agencies were focused on USPs and repetition and ways of communicating and building business through marketing, he very early on saw the power of emotional connections and the fact that humans are emotional and they make decisions based not on rational things, they actually make decisions on how they're feeling. And I, and I think some of the early creative that came out of DDB in the 60s and 70s, if you watch Mad Men, they often refer to some of the work that DDB were doing in those times for clients like Volkswagen. And I think for me, that's, that is still part of the DNA and culture of this business right now. And while lots of people that join DDB think they need to change it, uh, those of us that have been around for a while realise that it's actually something extremely powerful that we need to hold on to as we also build a modern DDB as well. Long-term ad people, in fact, I'm sure ad people realise that emotion plays a massive role in brand building and getting a sale, generating demand, getting consumers interested. How much work does DDB put into proving that up? So instinctively, we know that to be true. And there's evidence that that's true. What's DDB's role been in, in saying, dear client, we know this to be true because of X, Y, Z? Well, I think, I think um, you've obviously spoken, and, and in these podcasts, to uh, Field and uh, Benet, you know, we've been very involved in that global research because it's one thing to say, oh, if you focus on brand building and emotional connections, your business will be successful. You have to prove it. And I'm, I'm a pragmatic marketer as well because you have to get the right balance between the long term and the short term. And what I love is there's lots of third-party expertise now and facts that are coming out to actually prove the case that when you invest in the long term that you will get sort of a, gr- a greater benefit in terms of growth uh, of your business over time. And it's really important because if you're an absolute purist, you'd say, well, you don't need any short-term sales building activity then. Uh, yeah, that's wrong. You know, you need to get the balance right. And um, there's a great saying that I picked up actually from a McDonald's CMO in the 90s, a guy called Paul Shragi, and, and he spoke about his vision for McDonald's back then was to think like a brand and act like a retailer rather than thinking like a retailer and acting like a retailer. And I, and I think for me, that's something I've used a lot in the way I communicate with clients because even when you're doing short-term activity, if it's done through the lens of long-term brand storytelling, it's going to be more powerful. And so we continue to invest in our own research. In fact, I'm, I'm a massive advocate of the EFIs. For me, that's the time where we can prove the creativity is delivering the long-term results. 
And we do exceptionally well in uh, ethies uh, across this part of the world because we're practicing what we believe and we're measuring the direct output for a client's business. So, Marty, you talked about Maccas. Without doubt, a great long-term client of DDB. So just tell us about some of the great clients you've worked with, some other outtakes from um, you know those awesome clients that have you've had a great partnership with, I presume, partnered for success. Give us a bit of the ingredients for getting that stuff right. My first job was at DDB in Melbourne uh, working on the McDonald's business as a young account manager and I've loved working on that brand that whole 34 years. Again, McDonald's is an exceptional business because while we've had many different marketing directors come and go over the years, the fundamental DNA of that brand in terms of a commitment to long-term brand building through communications but also through the experience and constant innovation. And that's what I love about McDonald's, that they are always thinking about the next innovation, how to evolve the experience, uh, evolve the menu for what's right for consumers and what consumers really want. Look, what I love about McDonald's also is where they see opportunity, they are no super tanker. They will move at pace to take advantage of that opportunity. And, you know, that's why I've loved it. And I've also loved the fact that it's a franchise business. So, you're dealing regularly with the franchisees and some of the best ideas actually can come from a franchisee as much as it can from the marketing leadership team and management of McDonald. A lot of people wouldn't realise that the the Big Mac was actually invented by a franchisee in the US. For me, that's a really good insight also for any business to go, how can you be connected to the field? People are actually in the cold face to actually evolve what you offer for consumers today. And uh, McDonald's just continued to do that. And, you know, I, I love it from that point of view. I did not know Big Mac was invented by a franchisee in the US. I love little stories like that. Fantastic. And I'm wondering whether he managed to um, trademark it and get the get a little clip of the ticket of every Big Mac. <laughs> Jesus. He was very famous within the McDonald's system. but uh, I bet. Look, and, and look, one of the other things for me is they rely on us to innovate for them as well. And uh, when people ask me about some of your greatest moments in advertising, one of mine, it's, it's not very flashy, but working directly with uh, uh, the marketing team, we invented value meals and we were the first country in the world to do it. And for me, it was a good example of the young account and agency people of today to really, if you really get inside a client's business, as I did as a young guy, I knew what drove the profitability. I looked at the statistics, looked at the numbers to then work out, well, the average person wasn't buying three items. They were only buying about time 2.2 items per transaction. So we did the maths to say, well, if you discounted a meal by 15%, you're going to encourage more people to buy three things rather than two things. And Simple stuff like that, but obviously there was a bit of analysis required, but um, that became then a famous platform for McDonald's to uh, help build their business sort of in the 90s in particular. So I think creativity is the wonderful bits of film we create, but creativity is also the innovations and the new ways of doing business that we can help our clients navigate. Genuinely, the McValue Meals is one of my all-time favourite case studies. Awesome branding of a value exchange. No more complex than that, but obviously incredibly difficult to do. Speaking of difficult to do, right here, right now, getting great advertising made. What's the degree of difficulty? Oh, look, it's extraordinarily difficult, but 
I'm sure like you've, you've noticed in the industry, it's amazing what we've been able to produce uh, over these last couple of months. I'm doing uh, my bit to support the uh, film industry in both Australia and New Zealand at the moment because, as you know, we're going to be the first markets in the world to sort of get back to a bit of a normal. So I'm pushing through our global network that, you know, Australia and New Zealand are open for business uh, or soon to be open for business from a film production point of view. Fantastic. And I think for me, a lot of my colleagues are still unable to actually make work right now. So we're getting a huge amount of interest in terms of clients like McDonald's around the world, like Volkswagen around the world saying, we can shoot in uh, your part of the world, let's do it. But I think you know, we've done an extraordinary job with the assets that we've got and Again, the fact that we've been able to sort of uh, work from home and a lot of our great creatives and production teams have produced a lot of the tactical activity that's been needed. I think as we re-emerge now and start reimagining the future, that's where um, the real opportunity is going to lie for uh, both economies, really. That is such an awesome thought that TV, both in an advertising sense but also film production sense, could start here New Zealand, Australia, sooner than any other market in the world. I think you need to get that into our governments, that message into our governments, because they need to then get the Austrade and the New Zealand equivalent energising that idea around the world because, my goodness me, there could be fantastic upside for production in both of our countries. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it was interesting, uh, I just saw on the news yesterday that James Cameron flew in on a chartered Air New Zealand flight because he's working on the sequel to Avatar. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, Hollywood's basically closed uh, right now and uh, the fact that Hollywood's um, starting to sort of connect into New Zealand is interesting and get going. But uh, again, for our industry, and look, look, and I'm a huge fan of, of doing all we can to support the industry because the film industry is on its knees right now. There's been no work for a lot of those people. So uh, if, if we can do our bit to generate more business, uh, we're certainly doing that and um, we are getting a lot of uh, interest from the markets around the world. So tell us about clients and ad spend and where the money's going. So clearly, as you say, up to 40% decline in ad revenue um, for the media. What are you advising clients? I mean, we talk about the long and the short of it. We talk about you need to slingshot out of a downturn. Those that keep on advertising are the ones that might win, buy a share of voice, all that stuff. I think we know it. How many clients are listening and how are you helping clients recognise that this downturn does provide them with an opportunity? I think most clients went into a bit of a panic and tactical phase. And again, you know, if you're a retailer and your business is shut, it's a pretty uh, dramatic impact to your life as a marketer. But I think we've all got through the first phase in terms of reacting to what was happening around us. And very much where some clients are more progressive than others, but we're, we're now into the return phase in terms of what is it we need to do and continue doing and what do we need to reimagine in terms of what the future is going to look like. I was one and uh, I'm sure you're probably the same. In the early days, we were sort of thinking this was going to be a big hit for a quarter and then we'd get back to normal and uh, by the fourth quarter, it'll be you know just like Christmas last year. But, you know, the reality is we are heading into one of the toughest economic periods. I'm actually not even using the word recession. It's we're going into a depression in terms of what the economy is going to do. So 
Having said that, it's, it sounds like I'm painting a really gloomy future, but uh, I'm going back to the core of what I believe in terms of let's get some tactical stuff out there, but let's start thinking about those enduring brand stories and platforms that we've built. Again, some clients in the short term started saying, well, let's throw all that away and we need something new. And the calming voice of experience comes in to say, well, we've invested in building a a brand platform for you. Let's see how we need to modify and evolve that to navigate the future that's in front of us. And I think everyone's basically uh, adopting to that way of thinking. But the reality is it's a changing world and we don't know exactly how it's going to play out. So I think the the power of really strong brand platforms, I think of what we've done for um, Westpac, you know, the banking industry has been through a, a really tough phase, but we've spent years investing on a brand platform for Westpac and, you know, that has set them up to navigate this better than uh, some of the others in their category. I look at the work we do for the lotteries in New Zealand where we've got a uh, a platform all about imagination in terms of imagine what it will be like when you win. And uh, we've been on that journey for six, seven years with amazing creative driving that. And, you know, again, it's like we're not going to deviate from that. There may be some tactical things we need to rethink. And for me also, we have to be really conscious of how consumers are really feeling. So we, we've done quite a bit of research looking at consumer sentiment through COVID. And we've done a few waves of this external research. And the important thing there is consumers are relying on brands to help them navigate their futures. And I think, you know, they they really are applauding the brands that have done something to help through this crisis. But they want to see brands doing the right thing as we move out of crisis into some form of recovery. So, again, there's lots of lessons we can learn as we go back to our platforms but also make some uh, adjustments to to the new normal. It was interesting earlier when you were talking about Macca's, uh, McDonald's. Yes, there's the role of advertising, brand building, storytelling, but you also talked about the experience. And I think one of the interesting nuances um, in the economy over the last number of years really is we discuss above the line, below the line in old language, or we discuss digital versus the long term. We discuss the funnel Um, We discuss, are we going to cut the budget for long term and plough that into short term? But one of the subjects that doesn't get discussed so much is, is it a good idea to take money away from, let's call it brand or traditional advertising, and pour it into experience? Now, I'm assuming that DDB's got an awesome experience practice, and you're seeing that happen. Yeah, and look, uh, you're, you're on something which is a real passion point of mine at the moment, because you have to link the brand experience with the external comms strategy that you've got in place. And I'm also hugely critical of a lot of businesses and marketers today where we're over-relying on data and technology to deliver tonnage of uh, messaging to um, consumers. And often it's not done through the brand lens. And if you're not having an experience, you know, the physical experience with the brand, and all of the communications channels coming off that brand platform, you're going to be in trouble. And um, there's, a, there's a big difference between a click and a, a real connection, for example. And too many people are measuring things on clicks and in the tonnage of what they deliver. And, and again, that could be doing a lot of damage to a brand. You know, again, 
as consumers, even even in our lives, when you when you keep getting offers from airlines or banks or whoever it might be that are totally relevant to you, you sort of start to question sort of uh, how that brand really values your relationship. For me, the greatest thing a brand can do to help me do a better job is deliver a better experience. And, you know, again, if I look at the way technology will benefit that experience, it's then how can we then leverage that in our storytelling as well? So, Marty, you've had a long time at DDB, and as a result, you've come across some awesome talent, I'm sure. And I'd just love to hear from you around ingredients of great, great advertising talent. What's some core ingredients? The great talent that are, is operating in today's world are, are great listeners. Obviously, they're great storytellers. I think that the days of the extravagant, mad, creative leaders who bang on the desk and throw tantrums, they're gone. The real talent are the ones that really demonstrate that they understand the client's business problem or the opportunity that sits there and deliver creative that is really on strategy. Too often, there's a disconnect between the strategic thinking and the creative. And, you know, that's when you you, you don't win a pitch or you get in trouble with a client. And the creative leaders like uh, Damon Stapleton, who's our regional um, leader across Australia and New Zealand, and Ben Welsh and Tara in Sydney, they are, they are great listeners and problem solvers and communicators. And, and I think for me, that's the real difference. And I'm writing a paper at the moment for our board and um, I, I talk about strategic and creative firepower rather than just talk about creative firepower, for example, because when you get the two working hand in hand on a client assignment, that's when the magic really starts to happen. So, you know, I'm doubling down on creative talent, as I always do, but also I've got the best lineup of strategists in the business as well because you just see the power of those two working working together. Well, Marty, um, as you and I both know, leaders in the advertising world don't necessarily last too long and you have lasted a hell of a long time. So clearly you're doing a lot right. Marty, it's been fantastic having you on Brand New World. We appreciate your time very much and your awesome insight from... Uh, well, it looks like a beautiful desk there in New Zealand with a stunning view. Great to talk to you, Marty. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Brand New World is a Podcast One Australia production. Produced by Dave Zwolenski and Matthew Dwyer.